0: In my weekly email to you Friday, I won't ask you to raise your hand if you read it or didn't, I explained how Halloween became more popular than the Reformation and Reformation Sunday. I said the secret was candy and free candy. And kids learned very early that sugar beats baby food every time. (laughs) Yesterday at Trunk or Treat, uh, the kids turned out in long lines. Um, I I was surprised. I was one of the trunks open. We had about 10, I think, trunks, all on a biblical theme. And, um, and, And a little game associated with that. It was really interesting to go around and say, Okay, hey, what Bible story is this here? And, um, Beth Bullock had a disassembled uh, skeleton that fit together. And so do you have any idea which Bible story that was? Hmm. Ezekiel's Valley of the Dry Bones that came together. The neck bone connected to the backbone. And, and it was funny. There were some Strange creatures that were assembled there. Um, I had pinned the tail on the donkey. Now, there were a couple of options there, but this was supposed to be about Palm Sunday and Jesus riding the donkey in. Actually, the crowd that just came upon us at 4 o'clock just startled me. Uh, I-, I couldn't believe People were lined up at each car, about fifteen deep at each of the ten cars, and um, I, I know I, I have very little candy left. And kids were getting one piece or two pieces, and it was just amazing. And we were out in the hot sun, and um, I had to keep telling people, "Don't open these pack! Don't open these little packages of candy. They're they're just chocolate milkshakes right now." Uh, as soon as you get home, throw your, your pumpkin into the freezer and, and then open it later. Um, it was funny. Um, I saw every costume imaginable, things I hadn't expected. I turned around one time and I saw a child that looked like a Holstein cow. I thought, what, what, why, why is that? I think I have a picture. Yeah. So I, I said, why would it, why would who, who would have guessed to, to dress up like a Holstein cow? And uh, then, I, uh, then then she turned around, and I saw, oh, oh, it was not a Holstein cow. <laughs> it was a baby skunk. <laughs> and I thought, that is the first. Now, I may, be, I may not have been real active in the holiday costume scene in the last decade, but uh, I do have grandsons, and I had not seen a baby skunk. And there are even adult skunk costumes. You can be a family of skunks. And uh, so that was a new one for me. Um, How in the world can Martin Luther and John Calvin stand even the slightest chance against all this candy and costumes? And why should they? Uh, I mean, why should we put those two reformers of the Christian church up against Halloween? October 31st, every year. Um, what, how, did that, how did that happen? If you haven't read my Friday email, I went into a little more detail than you probably want me to go here. Uh, but um, Halloween is actually a con- condensed form of All Hallows Eve or Evening the night before, like Christmas Eve. So this is all-hollows Eve. What's a hollows? It comes from the word, uh, an ancient uh, English word that came out to be holy, all holies Eve. And really it was referring to the very next day, which was all-saints' day. And for centuries now, the Christian church, large parts of it, have observed November 1 as the day to celebrate those uh, members of Christ's body and even just special members who have been canonized uh, to recognize them on November 1 every day, every year. So the night before... Came to be uh, focused more on death and costumes surrounding that, and it's gradually evolved into being costumes, including skunks and lots of stuff. <laughs> um, but um, the reason that Reformation is celebrated on uh, the all the, the evening. Uh, the Halloween day of October 31st is because 404 years ago, to this day, October 31, an Augustinian monk named Martin Luther, uh, teaching at the school of theology in Witten- at the University of Wittenberg in Germany, Luther took that day uh, as the day he chose to nail to the door of the chapel a long page of paper on which he had handwritten 95 complaints against the christian church in his day they were intended like many of the scholars to promote uh, debate within the college community. But these went much further than that. What Luther wrote down in those 95 complaints, uh, um, accusations, charges against the church was revolutionary. And it was, it, it could not be contained in an academic community. For it went to the very top, and to every uh, location of the Christian church in its day, in its effect, in its charges, in its challenges. Um, that occurred in the year 1517, and so the great process called the Reformation of the Church uh, is kind of celebrated when uh, that Little event kick-started a a huge movement that there had been rumblings for uh, about before then, but it really put things into high gear in Germany and then affecting Europe. Um, Our scripture reading this morning speaks of a reformation for God's people, but a much earlier one. For God's people have needed reformation from time to time to time. Even God's congregations here and there. But the church as a whole has needed, God's people as a whole have needed reformation. Uh, We will find this earlier reformation recorded for us in the second book of Kings. And it is uh, the kings of Israel. I invite you to pray before we read this so that we can ask God to help us understand. Lord, we open your word, grateful for all the lives you used to speak to us in the past and in the present. We thank you for those who labored long to translate your word from one language to another so that each of us can have a copy in our own native language. But Lord, we ask your spirit to help us understand the words we read and help us to apply them in our day, in our community. We, we ask for wisdom. We ask for hearts to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. So reading from Second Kings chapter 22 verse 1, and I'm going to edit a little bit in this text because it flows through this story flows through chapter 22 and chapter 23 so you'll see me skipping a little bit to give you the gist of this let us listen to God's word Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem his mother's name was Jedidah daughter of Adiah of Bozkoth. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of King Josiah, he would be 26. The king sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah, To the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to the high priest Hilkiah and have him count the entire sum of the money that has been brought into the house of the Lord. Let it be given into the hand of the workers who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Let them give it to the workers who are at the house of the Lord, repairing the house. The high priest Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book, the book of the law in the house of the Lord. When Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, he read it. Then Shaphan, the secretary, came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workers who have oversight over the house of the Lord. Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, the priest Hilkiah has given me a book. Shaphan then read it aloud to the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes and said, Great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our ancestors did not obey the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. In chapter 23, the king went up to the house of the Lord and with him went all the people of Judah, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the prophets, and all the people. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord, keeping his commandments, his decrees, his statutes with all his heart, And all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. All the people joined in the covenant. Following a little later in that chapter, it says, Moreover, Josiah put away the mediums, wizards, teraphim, idols, In all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, so that he established the words of the law that were written in the book that the priest Hilkiah had found in the house of the Lord. Before him there was no king like him, who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, And with all his might, according to the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word. This occurred just before 600 BC in the land of Israel. The northern kingdom of Israel, uh, the northern part of Israel had split with the southern part of Israel several centuries before. Ten of the twelve tribes were in the northern part. Two of the tribes were in the southern part. And several, uh, about 125 years earlier, the Assyrians had carried away the northern ten tribes, into captivity. And that area existed as God's people no more. But the area of Judea around Jerusalem persisted until the Babylonians captured it in 587 B.C. So Josiah was the last of a long line of kings that followed Uh, King David and King Solomon Uh, it's an amazing story Josiah's father Amon was only on the throne for one year and he was assassinated they placed this child on the throne and he became an amazing child and had an amazing experience and he responded in a beautiful way it's very interesting that as he's introduced in that first verse of chapter 22, it's, it does not even mention his father's name, but mentions his mother and grandmother. I sometimes think that's a clue as to where the character of a person came from. Much as David's character was probably shaped by his great-grandmother passing down uh, things of her devotion to the Lord. Her name was Ruth. It is amazing also that this great temple that Solomon built approximately 900 B.C. had lost the book. Scholars believe because of the reaction of Josiah that the specific book that was found was the book of Deuteronomy. If you go and read Deuteronomy, it sums up the Pentateuch, the first five books. It sums up the exodus out of of Egypt. The, the, the setting God's chosen people free from slavery, bringing them into the promised land and forming the covenant at Sinai at that great mountain with Moses and all the miracles that happened around that event of God drawing his people together out of slavery and setting them in the promised land. And that book contains sets of, of sermons by Moses Warning the people, God has made a covenant. You have made a covenant with God. It is so important that you honor this covenant. It is the difference between life and death. Solomon started out well, but he ended up in pretty bad shape. He was so wealthy, and his wealth caused him to indulge himself and stray from God greatly Solomon was supposed to be so wise but somehow the book perhaps the rest of the scriptures were lost the only scriptures they may have kept were those that comprised the Psalms which they sang in their worship in the temple But many of the things about the law and their covenant and even the Passover were dropped and ignored. And the kingdom of Israel not only in the north but even in the south around Jerusalem. And those who served Israel as kings, as priests, as prophets fell away from God to a great degree. And entering into their culture came religions from all around. Solomon himself introduced them with all of his marriages. Israel was in a shambles by the time of Josiah. Josiah is an amazing person and it is Awesome uh, to see what he did. the 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 reform that Josiah began for Israel uh, was something that was similar to the reform that happened for the Christian Church. In uh, the uh, 16th century, uh, led by people such as Martin Luther, uh, John Calvin, Ulrich Zwingli, Philip Melanchthon, um, John Knox, and many, many more. They were preceded by courageous uh, men and women. Who, uh, even before the 16th century, were attempting to get God's word into English. And so the the great stories of John uh, of John Wycliffe in the 1400s, and uh, William Tyndale uh, in the late 1400s, 1500s, both translating uh, Latin or from Greek into English were persecuted and executed by the church in that day. Um, Luther would have been also, except the political situation in his time, set him in a place in Germany where he was protected. And and that was the game. The other critical thing that enabled Martin Luther's contribution and Calvin's to become so powerful was the existence now of printing. Printing books. Printing the Bibles. And now when people like Luther and Calvin made such great statements, wrote such great things, they were quickly taken to, to the press and distributed um, William Tyndale's uh, first Bible was also uh, distributed too, but the church bought up every copy and burned every thousands of copies of Tyndale's work. Um, Luther uh, came to understand the power and authority of the Word of God. And he realized that Scripture... And scripture alone was the ultimate authority for the church, not the Pope nor the hierarchy of the church, but scripture alone. Sola scriptura in Latin became the first great principle of the reformers, and it challenged the order of 1500 years of church authority. Sola Scriptura. The Word of God is the ultimate authority, not the hierarchy of the church. It is the scripture which corrects the church. The church does not correct scripture. Because men like uh, Luther found the book also, Scripture led them to understand that so many other things were wrong in the church. And they began uh, to recognize that we were saved by grace alone, solo gratia. And through faith alone, solo fide. These were the three words in Latin, the three phrases that were passed from reformer to reformer, and characterize this monumental time in church history and world history. Uh, the scriptures led the reformers to grace alone and faith alone, as Ephesians stated For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. The Reformation is not over. Millions of people do not know and have not embraced the pure gift of God's grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. What's worse is that millions who call themselves Christians are still being told the opposite of grace alone, by faith alone. Millions who call themselves Christians are still being told the opposite, that the love of God must be earned. Listen to this recent declaration by the pastor of a parish in Potomac Falls, Virginia, not far from where I grew up, in in the suburbs of one of the great capitals of the world. Uh, among a people uh, who have great effect on our country and on the world. From the pastor of a parish in Virginia who also serves as dean of the Notre Dame Graduate School of Christendom College. He writes, Along with the Feast of All Saints, the church developed the Feast of All Souls. That happens to be November 2nd. The church has consistently encouraged the offering of prayers and mass for the souls of the faithful departed in purgatory. At the time of their death, these souls are not perfectly cleansed of venial sin or have not atoned these souls, these people have not atoned for past transgressions and thereby are deprived of the beatific vision. Another expression for the presence of God. The faithful on earth can assist these souls in purgatory, in attaining The beatific vision or being in the presence of God through their prayers. Okay, the faithful on our earth can assist those souls in purgatory through good prayers, good works, and the offering of Mass. I read that for you. to, to give you a small sample. You can see many more samples even on YouTube of sermons pleading with congregations to do things to help set people free from purgatory or reduce their thousands of years there by a few or more. We walk by people every day. We had a lot of people in our parking lot. We have no idea uh, the blindness that exists around us. The separation from a knowledge of God and God's word. And even those who have it are being misled by leadership, who are perpetuating mistakes of, from 2,000 years of wandering away from God's word. Not only in, in grace, being saved by grace, that eternal life is a free gift of God, but in how they worship, how they practice following Christ. The Reformation is not over. Our Reformation is not over. Timothy George writes in his book, Theology of the Reformers, Calvin's great achievement, this is speaking of John Calvin. Um, The reformer who was centered in Geneva, Switzerland, while Luther was in Germany. And it is through Calvin that we trace our roots. For Luther tended to keep some structure of faith with bishops and priests. But Calvin went further and believed in the priesthood of all believers And that all of us were to elect our elders. And would be elders uh, together who would lead congregations. And elders gathering in larger councils who would set the course of larger bodies of the church in the stream that we follow. Timothy George writes, Calvin's great achievement was to take the classic insights of the Reformation, sola gratia, sola fide, and sola scriptura, and give them a clear and systematic exposition, which neither Luther nor Zwingli ever did, and to adapt them to the civic setting of Geneva, to the community, to the city, to everyone to adapt these principles of life to everyone in the community, even those who did not practice the Christian faith. And George writes, until what Calvin described and the community and the treatment of people that he described uh, eventually reached Poland and Hungary on the east, and the Netherlands and Scotland and England to the west, and eventually New England and those British colonies in the far west. And we should add, eventually, the work of Calvin and the Reformers in, revolution, in reforming the church to recover what Jesus had intended and taught, and that we have in his scriptures in the New Testament, a permeated society that we lived in. It reached all America. And our, the place we live, the structures we live in, uh, can be owed, owed so much to the reformers Um, I highly commend uh, Timothy George's book on Theology of the Reformers and the great book on Martin Luther by Eric Mataxas. Tremendous biography. Read some wonderful things and you will understand not only the past, but the present and who we are and who we must continue to be. It's not about the candy. It's about the book. It's about life and the love of God that is a gift that should never be distorted and kept from everyone, especially those who've heard and who think they are following him but are not. Shafan says, I have found the book. Josiah could say, I have found the book. We have found the book. We have found its author. And the free gift of his love and grace. Amen.